Welcome, everybody, to uh, the Mental Health Hour. Welcome to episode 84. Uh, this one is on suicidal ideation, uh, something, a show we've been kicking around for a while. Um, obviously, not an easy topic to discuss uh, or for some to listen to. Um, mm. So we want to um, make sure everybody is aware of what will be discussed tonight and uh, that it could be some difficult conversation. But we, you know how we do our show. We try and keep everything light and uh, drama-free and politics-free and, you know, without any unnecessary triggers. Now, suicidal ideation or suicide, the thought of, the talk of, the discussion of, in itself can already be a trigger. So we just want to be delicate with it. Um, and if there's any issues, um, feel free to reach out to us or um, exit the stream if you need to. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, is that in some way, shape, or form, uh, everybody has been touched in some way by uh, suicide, whether it be um, a friend, a family member, uh, thoughts for yourself. Uh, some way, uh, everybody has had some kind of uh, dealing with it. Um, Gemma has more knowledge, personal knowledge of this topic than I do. Um, as I've mentioned before on the show, um, I haven't uh, ever thought about the uh, ending of everything or, mm -hmm. or um, doing it at my own hands, you know, but we have talked about passive death wish um, and how that kind of struck home with me when I learned what that was. It was like kind of made a little sense, like passive death wish. Uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna do anything yourself, but if something were to come along, uh, you're not gonna kind of step out of the way per se. Mm -hmm. Like it would be the worst thing in the world. Um, these kind of thoughts are known as passive death wish, which is very different from. Uh, living with the thoughts of wanting to end your life. Uh, mm -hmm. So, Gemma, um, we'll throw over to you for a little intro kind of uh, talk before we get into some information. And uh, I do have a video as well that will help explain some of the uh, treatment prevention treatment is what they call it prevention treatment um because it gets into a lot of uh cbt dbt uh which is we've we've touched on in the show but Gemma and i are in no way experts on uh, <clears throat> but anyway Gemma, if you want to start us off with whatever you feel is best um you want to yeah. touch on anything okay so um, it's timely is this one because it's actually or it was actually the anniversary of the first time I was admitted to hospital with having tried to take my life it would have been on Monday and I I was nine when I started self-harming but I would have been about 14 or 15 when I really ramped it up and ended up in hospital having my stomach pumped and everything definitely not pleasant um continued to do it actively wanting to die didn't want to be here and tried many many different routes and things to um roots of things to try to the point where i even looked it up to see if there was ways of doing it quickly i've noticed now 
It certainly wasn't back then, but now if you look anything up like that, it gives you, it plasters the entire Google search with all mental health helplines, crisis lines, because it seems to pick up on what you're searching. So if you're starting to search that stuff, you're going to get a load of helplines come up. Or certainly that's what's happened when I, I, I tried it the other day, not to look because I wanted to do it. I just wanted to see what did come up because it had been mentioned before. And then, like we mentioned with the passive death wish, that's something that I have struggled with more recently. Um, and that was like th things from like, I'm prescribed these medications, I ain't taken them. If, if it kills me, it kills me. If it don't, it don't. Um, to sometimes putting my music in my ears and I will just walk. Don't look out, don't, like, if something's coming, it was meant to be kind of thing. Um, and that took a lot of trying to get out of. That's actually harder, I think, because uh, once you're in that mindset, it's really hard to switch it off. Whereas to actively go and try and take your life, you're physically having to do something yourself. Um, I found... That when I was hell-bent on doing things like that, I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want stopping. But sometimes I would tell people, not because I think that I genuinely intended to do it. I think that was more of a cry for help at the time. But, um, yeah, I've done it, what, I'm 39 now, so 30 years worth, more or less. Right. Um. It makes me more aware of the signs and things to watch out for because I know um, Thomas, when he was having cancer treatment in the early days, he told me that he wanted to die and they ended up sticking an NG tube up his nose because he refused to take his medications. So I'd have to put him in when he was asleep because he was, like, having none of it. Um, luckily, it didn't last very long. But um, it just, I think because of my experience with it, it makes me more concerned. And certainly with internet and social media and things, as a child, teenagers especially, it's harder for them because there's so much more pressure than when I was a child. I didn't have the internet and peer pressure and bullying to deal with. And I think a lot of, like I've seen on other platforms that are renowned for short videos and live broadcasting, is there's been an awful lot on there, an awful lot of bad publicity on there because of the pressure that it, certain people put on others and doing challenges and things, and it ends up, uh, fatal pretty much yeah and that's just uh that's just one aspect mm -hmm. i mean these challenges i didn't even think about um think about that as part of um tonight but yeah there are a lot of social media um well i mean there's a lot of social media peer pressure mm -hmm. on most everything these days but even suicide or the thoughts of and and that kind of thing is um not exempt from mm -hmm. yeah the latest one that i saw that claimed the lives of quite a few blackout challenge which was an actual attempt yeah that's been around for a while too yeah it's come back again um not that long ago because there was a child he was 11 hospitalized with it over here and they were stem cell dead. And it must have, like, I remember seeing it and seeing the parents saying, but he's breathing, the chest's moving and stuff. And to have to explain, actually, it's the machine that's doing that. That must have been devastating. But mm -hmm. so many other stories of children having taken their life because of peer pressure online. I've run a lot of uh, I've run a lot of calls on the ambulance or fire engine for that matter because uh, 
they both get dispatched to um, a potential cardiac arrest scenario uh, where somebody could be pulseless or unconscious mm-hmm. um, just for the engine comes along for manpower in case we have to do CPR and all that good stuff. Um, we need more hands. So that's why you get a fire engine on those kinds of calls as well as the ambulance. Okay. Uh, but I, I run, I've run several um, suicides, attempts, um, mm-hmm. things like the, the challenge, the pass out challenge. We get called for stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it's not always, um, devastating of course but uh there there have been quite a few in my career where uh, we have to deal with the fact that somebody has 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 done this and and the family has found them or um it's just maybe a welfare check type scenario uh and that's what has come to be um yeah. So I mean, we you talk about things like suicide or suicide, the idea of it, and for those that have, I'm gonna lean on you for this one. Mm-hmm. For those that have gone through that, those thoughts, uh, does it weigh on your mind the after effects of? you know who's gonna find me this and the other and and if it does do you just kind of that or uh like sometimes no not at all like when i got that bad but i would often try and make an attempt to do it out of the house rather than in the house where my family lived but yeah, very much um, one of my attempts was I was stood over a motorway bridge and I was going to go down. And all I could think of was, what if it's a car? What, what if some car hits me? Who's in that car? Is it a family? Is it going to ruin their life? Will they ever be able to drive again? Am I going to cause an injury or am I going to cause a multiple pileup? And that on that occasion was enough for me to stop doing it because of the guilt that I carried with that thought but I when I say I've tried many different routes it isn't like it's definitely not um, an exaggeration and a lot of what I did I had planned around making sure that I wasn't um, found necessarily by my family or like in the home where they had to live so that they didn't have memories of me dead in that room Um, because that did weigh a lot on my mind. And a lot of people think it's like a cop-out or it's weak to do that, but the absolute mindset you have to get into and the sheer amount of, I guess, willpower to want to do that and not carry on because believe me, it really isn't easy to take a knife to your own wrist or something. Mm-hmm. And to actually do it, sometimes just seeing the blood was enough for me. It was just that instant ouch. And I don't know if this is going to make sense to anybody, but a lot of the time when I was hurting the most, it was more about taking that pain from like in here and in my heart and physically putting it somewhere else. So for that moment in time, the ouch I had caused, say, on my wrists or whatever, hurt more than in my heart. And then because it became obvious to people what I was doing, I became more sly about doing it and then took to my tops of my legs and things like that so nobody could ever see. Because I didn't want that and I didn't want to be carrying that around. And I'm kind of glad in a way that I did that now because I have obviously I'm here and to see those scars like I can see them now um and it does remind me a lot of those things that I went through I know when I 
like to agree <laughs> a lot of people cover them up with tattoos <laughs> things and that does seem to help people and one of the ladies that was there at the time said that she got tattoos of like positive tattoos of her kids names sure. and on them because it would be enough to stop her self-harming there because she'd have had to cut through say her daughter's name or whatever and that she's I mean that's um that's certainly a a good idea mm -hmm. as far as as far as what can we do to help prevent um and that's one of the things I want to get into tonight is uh how we can help in suicide prevention um mm -hmm. and there's there's multiple different resources um it doesn't have to be a monetary thing uh but i mean there's all kinds of uh walks for uh suicide awareness and prevention mm -hmm. um, and uh meetings and stuff that you can get involved with it, it's it's uh nationwide here yeah, i'm sure it's worldwide uh, i don't know if the one that I'm specifically thinking of is called out of the darkness walk um, and they uh, do walks to, for suicide prevention and mm -hmm. you know, raise money, raise awareness. Uh, and that's at least nationwide. I would assume it, it is worldwide. But... I'm just going to look it up real quick and see if it's called the same thing. But um, at the same time, we can uh, also look at prevention in a way of preventing yourself from succumbing to the, the, the thoughts, the voices, the, the pain. Um, Hattie says, I took a call at work once as I answered the main phone. Sheriff was called to speak to a lady I work with. Her daughter came home from school and found her dad passed away on the floor from self-inflicted head wound. Had to help the lady calm down before she drove 30 minutes home. That's the call taker. Or that's the, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's one thing that we deal with in the field as well. When we run these calls on the ambulance, um, it, it's not just the patient, you know, the patient's family's there. And now they've essentially become patients of ours as well because they're not in a, a state of, normalcy at that time shock sets in um some people have seen pass out um you know they've I, i've just there's there's been a lot of different reactions and the way we react and our body reacts um might warrant a trip to the hospital for them as well mm -hmm. uh, the stress of the situation alone can send the heart into backflips and what have you. Um, so there's a lot going on on a scene like that. It's not cut and dry. Uh, however, the um, law enforcement, I saw Michael Joseph Murray. There, lots of time law enforcement arrives before fire and EMS. Um, they are also put on these calls uh, in case it's a crime scene. So they are dispatched as well. Um, even if we run a, a, a cardiac arrest uh, for at a nursing home, say, for, you know, grandma who's 90 and uh, was on, was, was expected um, and she passed away overnight or something, the yeah. police are still called. Any death warrants law enforcement response in case, in case there's a crime scene to be processed. Um, because there are times when it may seem like it's cut and dry, passed away in your sleep, this, this, that, or the other. There's yeah. actually a crime scene there, um, and something unnatural happened. Uh, so anyway. Uh, that's just uh, addressing that comment there on why you get police response on that as well. Mm. Um, but uh, let's get into a couple slides here. We'll go over some information, hopefully spark some more conversation. Um, 
Because yeah. I know I could tell you about, tell everybody here about calls I've run mm. until the sun comes up on this subject matter. But that's not really gonna get the get the necessary message I hope to that we can present here uh, across. So Gemma, if we can start by getting a little informational bullets of <clears throat> like yeah. warning signs and you know what we can do. Yeah, so on this one is the warning signs. So talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to go on living, making a will or giving away personal possessions, exhibiting reckless behaviours such as excessive alcohol or drug consumption, avoiding social interactions with others, expressing rage or intentions to seek revenge, and appearing anxious or agitated. Just one thing that I pick up with, with the avoiding social interactions, that can actually be the opposite way around as well. Because when I thought I was going to end it, I got in touch with everybody that I cared about just to tell them. So if it comes out of the blue that you end up getting a, a message or a call that seems overly nice and like... And that, that can... Uh... Yeah, that could also be them saying goodbye which is what i did so uh, yeah and you can see some some warning signs now this is just six we've got some more on the next slide but this is just six for mm -hmm. a, a good talking point here if uh if you'll take notice some of those warning signs are very clear and, and concise and to the point talking about feelings um mm -hmm. uh making a will or giving away possessions these are these are like you can see these from a mile away um basically just talking about the the act of it or thinking you telling somebody i've been thinking about it okay now we have something to go on not always the case though if you see avoiding social interactions that could be just depression uh mm -hmm. expressing rage um, or intentions to seek revenge. Uh, when when's the last time you have dealt with a coworker or a friend who has wanted to seek revenge because they're getting messed with or something? And your mm. first thought was, "This guy is in trouble. Uh, he's gonna or he's having thoughts of suicide." Mm. Or uh, the same goes for anxious or agitated. Like people, their anxiety is in everybody. You know. So they're not all cut and dry. They're, I guess the point I'm trying to make is we hear uh, folks say all the time when, when something, when a tragedy like this occurs, we always, it's our first thought is, man, if only I had seen or done more, uh, it's not always that easy. He, they might've been showing their signs, their warning signs, in a very cryptic manner. And then, of course, some people do just outright talk about it or just start filling out wills. These folks um, are more than just contemplating it. They're getting things in, they're getting the ducks in the row. Uh, moving on to the next slide, though, we got some more warning signs um, and risk factors. Uh, yep. So on this one, so we've got quite a few more um, things now. So warning signs, uh, talking about wanting to die or to kill oneself, searching for a way to kill oneself, talking about feeling hopeless or having no purpose, talking about feeling trapped or being in unbearable pain, talking about being a burden to others, Increasing the use of alcohol or drugs. Acting anxious, agitated or restless. Sleeping too little or too much. Withdrawing or feeling isolated. And displaying extreme mood swings. And then risk, risk factors. So things like a family history of suicide and or child maltreatment. Previous suicide attempts. History of mental disorders, particularly clinical depression. History of alcohol and substance abuse. 
cultural and religious beliefs, e.g. belief that suicide is a noble resolution of a personal dilemma. Uh, isolation, a feeling of being cut off from other people. Barriers to accessing mental health treatment. So loss, like relational, social, work or financial. Easy access to lethal me methods and unwillingness to seek help because of the stigma attached to mental health and substance abuse disorders or to threat or to suicidal thoughts. Um, uh, a lot of good points on there, but as you've just said before as well, a lot of those would be also tied to depression and anxiety. You could, uh, well, for the warning signs at least, yeah. Like, again, sleeping too much or too little, that is a, that's symptomatic of a lot of things. Uh, depression being one, uh, insomnia. Um, it doesn't always, we don't want folks uh, watching this broadcast and then saying, well, my child is sleeping 18 hours a day. He must, he or she must be having terrible thoughts. That's not always the case. These mm -hmm. are just uh, a collective um, list of warning signs. Um, now, like sleeping too much, that is a warning sign of depression or a symptom of depression. And depression mm -hmm. could lead to the thoughts of. Um, so take these with a grain of salt. Uh, the risk factors, I think, are, are more beneficial to, to look for. Um, mm -hmm. These people reach out for help. Um, and sometimes they're blockaded um, or cut off from resources. Uh, one mentioned there on the risk factors side, barriers to accessing mental health treatment. This is something mm -hmm. we talk about a lot with insurance agencies or insurance companies. Um, our benefits don't always provide the best coverage for mental health related resources. Um, that has, that is turning around and it's becoming mm -hmm. better. Um, but it's a slow trickle down. Not everybody. I was just talking with a friend who does not have, um, coverage for mental health related resources um, and there's just these barriers um, especially also the unwillingness to seek help that's a self barrier the unwillingness to seek help because stigma attached with mental health um, you're blocking yourself from getting any help because you're just afraid of who's going to think poorly of you or, um, you know, whatever might be going through your head about not wanting to be put into a certain group of people yeah. that constant attention or, or what have you, the stigma that we, we all know. That's that what's happened to me recently because Thomas at the moment is very clearly suffering with depression and I'm trying to get him some help. But prior to that, all I could think about was if he gets labeled with any sort of mental health problem and he has any physical condition later on in life, then he's screwed. Because I personally, we don't, we have an NHS, so mental health technically is free. However, the problem I have is I'm too high risk for one of them because I have actively tried to end my life. The other side of it is because I'm not currently trying to end my life. They won't entertain me either. So I'm right in the middle. So the only thing I could do is say, yeah, I just tried to kill myself if I want that mental health support, which is ridiculous. But when it came with Thomas, I didn't want him labeling because I knew that later on in life, if he ended up with any physical problems that isn't textbook, like the um, conditions that I have can be hereditary. If he ends up with one of those, then it's going to be a fight for everything. Because every mm -hmm. time I go to the doctors about my physical condition, 
they say, how's your mental health? Shall we look at that? And I'm like, no, I didn't come for that. And it just makes you feel so, like, dismissed and, like, nobody's hearing you, no one's listening, no one cares. So I'm like, well, why, why would I bother then? So I don't. I don't actually go and tell my doctor when I feel like crap because they would just dismiss me of it. So it's 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 awful that in 2023 we still have such stigmas and problems with it. You're muted, Tim. Hang on, is he muted? I'm sorry. It's not going to get any better, is what I was saying. Um, mm. The the stigma itself, um, and wanting to get um, or be be classified. Craig says I don't like labels anyway. People try to live up to them, and that can make things worse. And that's true. Um, yeah. Labeling people um, or or putting them in quote unquote groups uh or clicks or mm. you know it, it just it doesn't do anything good for uh anybody's mental health for that matter um yeah. uh, molly said earlier our insurance uh only allows for eight hours of mental health therapy a week or i mean i'm sorry a year a year oh my god eight hours a year that's that is eight one hour sessions with a therapist uh for instance if you go, most folks see a therapist once a week. Yeah, I used to see Or if one. you're into, or I shouldn't say most folks do this, not everybody goes to a therapist. Folks mm -hmm. that go to therapy usually mm -hmm. go once a week. They say that's what helps if you are having these thoughts. That's what they recommended I had once a week, one hour once a week. So you think about it, that's one hour every week. There's 52 weeks in the year. That's 52 hours. Um, you, she's getting coverage for eight hours. And that, I guess, out of pocket for uh, the additional, what, 44 hours? Um, and that's not cheap. So things are coming around with it. Um, it's going to take a little while, but it. it I am seeing progression uh, at least in my coverage uh, my insurance coverage uh let's go to um some five five action steps uh these were coming up frequently when i was looking for uh some some material to put mm -hmm. on the screen tonight action steps for this kept popping up yeah okay so action steps for helping someone in emotional pain in 2017, suicide claimed the lives of more than 47,000 people in the United States, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Suicide affects people of all ages, genders, race and ethnicities. Suicide is complicated and tragic, but it can be preventable. Knowing the warning signs for suicide and how to help how to get help can save lives. Here are five steps that you can take to be the one to help someone in emotional pain. So number one, ask, are you thinking about killing yourself? It's not an easy question, but studies, studies show that asking at-risk individuals if they are suicidal does not increase suicides or suicidal thoughts. Sometimes if they, like, really watch them when they're answering as well, they're not just because no is coming out of their mouth. Usually there's something they, there's, you, you can tell, I think. Uh, well, I, I have Absolutely. been. Absolutely. Yeah, might say no, but really look at how they're saying it. Yeah, you can read people. Um, mm -hmm. th there's definitely tells and, and signs to the uh, mm -hmm. people's. It's no different than um, talking about anything else and you can see their face change, you know. And another really, really big telltale sign, just to, um, just something that I would do, check if they're always wearing long sleeves, particularly in warm weather, check that out. Um, 
number two then, keep them safe. So reducing a suicidal person's access to highly lethal items or places is an important part of suicide prevention. While this is not always easy, asking if the at-risk person has a plan and removing or disabling the lethal means can make a difference. Number three, three, be there. Listen carefully and learn what the individual is thinking and feeling. Research suggests acknowledging and talking about suicide may in fact reduce rather than increase suicidal thoughts. Number four, help them to connect. Save the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number or whichever is relevant for your country. Yes, In we your- do have a comprehensive list for you. Yeah. Um, so when you when you need it, it's there. You can also make a connection with a trusted individual, like a family member, friend, spiritual advisor, or mental health professional. And then stay connected. Staying in touch after a crisis or after being discharged from care can make a difference. Studies have shown that the number of suicide deaths goes down when someone follows up with the at-risk person. And that is very true. When yeah. I uh, I uh, had a voluntary section many years ago after I tried to take my life and I agreed to go into hospital, because if not, I would have ended up sectioned anyway. But mm-hmm. I agreed to go into hospital and I was in for quite a while. And coming out of what was a safe environment back into the big wide world shall we say that was really daunting and i think that a lot of people when they come out of that safety net into the real world again that's when they're probably most likely to struggle so if they know that there's somebody there checking up on them making sure that they're all right it makes you feel more i guess wanted validated and it does help. It really does. Yeah. From coming from someone that's been there, done that, I promise it helps. So just remember the action steps. Uh, ask, keep them safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, be there for them. Help them connect and then stay connected with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, helping them connect may be, I think, m- one of the most important ones on there. Uh, they're all important in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but helping somebody connect with some help uh, or resources that uh, they can use for help is by far one of the most helpful things that you can do for, for, I know, you know, this is speaking from experience as well, not necessarily in a suicidal sense, but with anything mental health, I needed help reaching out for help. Um, with my drinking or, you know, I wasn't going to have to hear anything else about it. I had my own thoughts and that I was set in my ways. I was, I, I needed the help, but I also needed to want the help. So, mm-hmm. um, how to, let's go forward to, uh, how to identify if your pain is psychological in nature. Okay. Uh, so this one is how to identify if your pain is psychological in nature. Psychological pain manifested in the form of physical bodily pain is termed as somatic pain. Signs and indications of somatic pain, so tension or pain in certain body parts, such as headache or pain in the limb, which mimics a physical pain, but no medical reports suggest Uh, or support the physical reason of pain. No medications seem to relieve the pain. Physical symptoms, bodily pain, elevated after stress, tension, or emotional trauma. And then handling physical indications. If the pain is persistent, then firstly visit the medical doctor who may recommend some of the suitable required tests. Supposedly, the doctor might suggest a CT scan for severe headache. If the test reports show a normal result and the pain persists, 
while no pain reliever is effective, then there is a high time to address the psychological nature of a physical pain. Right. So um, I, I threw this one in here and there's more to it. Um, we don't have to exactly go through the other three uh, as in depth, but it, it's an interesting, and I'll put these um, slides in the discord as well. So you can take a look at it. It's an interesting uh, set of, uh, let me throw the other one up here real quick. That uh, It's an interesting, interesting thing to think about that they can kind of uh, look at the somatic pain um, is something that I suggest uh, researching. Um, the, it kind of shows how you're in pain, but it's not always physical pain, but it can, uh, it can, um, what's the fucking word? It can present as physical pain sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just the brain at work. You know, the, the, the receptors and the synapses firing saying, Hey, I need help. Um, the only way it knows how, and that's to create physical pain. Um, because what do we want to do when we have physical pain? Go get looked at, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's there's interesting things coming. Um, and I'll just read the conclusion real quick. The above mentioned facts are generally not accepted by the person who suffers from a somatic pain disorder. By reading the detailed article, you are now more aware of your internal pain symptoms. Um, hence, if you find any somatic symptoms in yourself or among people who are near and dear to you, then just a visit a psychologist for detailed insight. Uh, it's something to think about because um, we're talking about all these risk factors and, and signs and symptoms and, you know, not everybody presents in the same manner. Well, somebody that is experiencing some physical pain for unknown reason, um, this could be something to definitely follow up on. Mm -hmm. Um your ankle or I'm just pulling that out of my head. Your ankle shouldn't just start throbbing because, or, you know, without you having rolled it or sprained it or something, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's something more to it. It needs to be addressed. So that's basically what this was all about. Nail driver. Good to see you. He says, um, pain is registered in the brain and you know, the brain is just trying to send it out and uh, uh, get it. Hey, we need help in here. You mm. know, that's what your brain does. It, it, it recognizes an issue and it's trying to get your uh, body to recognize it. Um, it's difficult with this though. Cause like, yes, it definitely does affect it. And I've been there experiencing physical pain because of my mental health but also i certainly hear that's yeah. why i mentioned about thomas if doctors can't find an immediate textbook problem to the pain you're having they like to diagnose things that would suggest that mm -hmm. and like it's it's literally autoimmune months this month anyway autoimmune awareness month and a lot of autoimmune diseases can cause physical pain that isn't really picked up on such as an x-ray or anything. It can be something underlying which isn't immediately visible via, say, an x-ray or a scan. And it's not until you get further into it with blood works and everything else that it's like, oh, yeah. But it's, it's a hard one. It depends. I've certainly struggled with getting doctors to listen to pain that is really there because of conditions I have and then pain that is brought on by mental health. And right. it is true. Mental health can cause physical pain, and I, I have had it a lot. Yeah. Especially when you're so stressed as well. Definitely you... a, it's definitely a, a real thing that the, um, that the brain does. And that's just the brain reaching out, trying to get your attention, that something's effed up. Tony, yeah. how are you? Tony D, good to see you. Mm -hmm. um, and Eric, J Gaming, thanks for the 11 months. Um, 
happy to have you guys in here. Um, let's go, let's switch gears um, and talk about helping someone. Uh, we have kind of been, but um, focus on it. Here's a couple of things and Gemma can read off for us um, to think about. And then we do have a little video that will explain more in depth on some of the actual psychological prevention. Okay, so this is um, some tips to helping someone deal with suicidal thoughts. So having an open discussion can lighten his or her burden and prevent piling of negative thoughts. Ensuring that he, she is not alone and as much as possible can avoid buildup of isolated feelings. Being compassionate can give the assurance that he, she is not alone and that they're in never. Like we mentioned it on a previous broadcast, not to be dismissive of their, their like feelings, understand and accept it. And that really goes a long way. Um, acknowledging his, her feelings can motivate the afflicted to share their pain more often. So yeah, that's what I just mentioned. Uplifting his or her mood by dropping a random message can boost their confidence uh, and morale. Just swiped out of it. There we go. Uh, not allowing him her to get in touch with negative triggers can minimize stress or anxiety. Encourage them to follow a healthy lifestyle can bring back uh, lost confidence. Keeping things like knives, razors at bay from them can minimize the risk of self-harm. Tracking record of his her treatment can help them to attain successful recovery and motivating them to seek professional advice can convince them to opt for one so some good tips there um and these are obviously you have somebody that has has reached out now um mm -hmm. we're not looking for warning signs anymore the the the, the the motherfucker has come to you and said, I am having these thoughts and I don't want to do this. Help me. Mm -hmm. um, you're getting the the clear cut message. Now, how are we going to respond to that? We don't want to. Uh, one thing I uh, would like to go back to is that slide about staying connected. This isn't a one day. Uh, let's talk. Let's chat. Let's have a cup of coffee. Uh, are you feeling better now? Great. We'll see you tomorrow. And then never talk to him again um, or never follow up. Um, perhaps even put others on the radar. Uh, get, get some more of your social group involved. Get your friends in. Get, I mean, their friends involved, their family involved, and their doctors uh, if, if they have some. Um, these are just some, uh, tips or, um, you know, thoughts to consider for somebody that has, that has reached out and that happens. I mean, people do reach out because they don't want this, um, much like, uh, my drinking at times I was like, I don't want to drink today. Mm -hmm. I, it makes me feel like shit. I don't want to go through all of the uh, trickle down from what one day of drinking brings more depression, uh, hangover, etc. Mm -hmm. And my body feels like it's shutting down. I don't want, and then I'm still five minutes later in, in the kitchen getting a beer or something because sometimes we can't overpower that addictive mm. thought or, or our brain is uh, far more powerful than our will. Mm -hmm. um, Very much so. That's one of the things they taught us in, in rehab is that willpower is, is bullshit. If you're doing something solely on willpower, then it's almost always doomed to fail. And that's, a, that's just, I mean, a, that's not, I'm not putting that out there so you can argue with me. I do this uh, with sheer willpower. That's, that's great. Not everything that we say or pretty much everything that we say 
is not going to be the same for everybody. But for the, the vast majority of addicts or somebody having uh, strong thoughts that they can't get rid of, willpower is bullshit. And it's not, you, you need more help than, than just willpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, to suicide and things. Like I remember once sat with a, um, with a knife in the kitchen and I'd been looking at it for ages and doing the, like between the fingers, it Russian roulette or something. Yeah. Doing that. And I kept putting it away and like, no, no, not going to do it, not going to do it. And it's like, as much as I didn't want to keep going there to take away the pain from in here and put it somewhere else, mm-hmm. it felt like, it felt like I couldn't control what my hands were doing anymore and my body was acting out what yeah. my brain was saying and I had no control whatsoever. Yeah, it's of- like you're in a it's like you're in a different state. It's like I you could be saying in, in, internally, I don't want to do this all you want, but your body's still moving forward and doing the action that you don't want to do and it's just it's insane how how yourself in a film or something yeah like let me uh let's do this uh because we're approaching seven on the eastern shore um let's play this video and then we'll talk a little bit about that and then we'll start wrapping things up Mm -hmm. um because i did want to play this it does explain some things that we're not necessarily going to be able to get across in a way so hopefully it's only like four minutes so give this a watch and we'll be back to discuss i don't want to live anymore i can't stop thinking about suicide i've thought about it for years i've made three suicide attempts and i don't know if i'll be safe tonight I just drink enough so I can stop thinking about killing myself. I hate thinking about it. These are the voices of suicide. They are the voices of people in despair who don't know what to do about their thoughts and who might do something dangerous. We know how to help people with these thoughts, and we know how to help people turn away from dangerous behaviors and towards something that can provide them with the help and hope they need. There are several evidence-based treatments that help prevent suicide attempts. This means that they have been proven to be more effective than other kinds of therapies in reducing suicide attempts in people who need this help. Three of the most effective are Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, or DBT, Cognitive Therapy for Suicide Prevention, or CTSP, and Brief Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or BCBT. The proof that these treatments reduce the chances for suicide is very strong. DBT, CTSP, and BCBT share some common goals and activities. Safety. The beginning of treatment starts simply by figuring out what people can do to manage what they are thinking and feeling during a crisis. Sometimes this is called a safety plan or a crisis response plan. Each safety plan is unique and individualized. Managing hard feelings. Sometimes people feel powerful, negative emotions and they don't know how to manage or cope with how intensely bad they feel, which is when thoughts of suicide emerge or grow stronger. Treatments help. People learn ways to care for themselves when the thoughts and feelings are the worst. This can be done using relaxation, mindfulness, or distraction techniques. These are skills a person learns during a time when they are not in distress so that they can effectively use these skills when they are feeling really overwhelmed. Changing what you do. People often develop their own ways of coping to try to manage how badly they feel. Drinking or using drugs, isolating, avoiding work, eating poorly, or generally not taking care of themselves can all be examples of things people do when they are feeling bad, but that we know don't work well. The good news is that new skills can be taught and acquired to give people skills to better manage their feelings. Changing what you think. 
People who experience thoughts of suicide often become hopeless that things will never change. Sometimes these thoughts can be triggered by something simple, but spiral out of control. These three treatments all focus on practicing, paying attention to, and changing these types of thoughts. Staying well. After people begin to feel more hopeful and develop some new skills to manage these thoughts, they practice ways to effectively and quickly respond if suicidal thoughts and behaviors return in the future. Thinking about suicide is scary, and it's hard to know what to do. But those thoughts and behaviors can be targeted, treated, and changed. DBT, CTSP, and BCBT are each effective treatments that focus directly on suicidal thoughts and behavior. They can help people to improve and find hope. All right. Um, just a, a good video, I thought, I, and I wanted to share with or on the show here towards the end about prevention treatment. Um, and I think that, you know, after doing this episode and, and coming across that video in particular, I think another episode on this would be warranted I'd like to go just solely into prevention therapy mm -hmm. um, or prevention treatment for uh, suicide. Um, so we'll look into definitely doing that um, coming up here in the future, in the near future. But I mean, did you, what stuck out, if anything, uh, to you there, Gemma? Um. They're just the treatments and things, I guess, uh, the different types and how it can help. There was one, was it BCBT? I'd not, I'd not heard of it. No, called that. But um, so I that's uh, we've done two episodes on CBT, cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy. That's just another kind of branch of it. Mm. Uh, BCBT, uh, D DBT is also a branch off of it. That's dialectical behavior therapy. Uh, mm -hmm. We our show that we did a long time ago now on radical acceptance is, uh, is DBT in action. Mm -hmm. So what I will do uh, is I will put all of the slides as I always do. And this video on the discord. Um, any, I, and I will post uh, a few articles that I found on CBT or BCBT, uh, DBT, um, and hell, I forget the other one. <laughs> Something ST. Uh, but I will get those posted in our Discord. Um, and I might even uh, send them out on some of the socials like Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. Just from for further uh, research, personal research, if you'd like to, if you'd like to get more information, if you know somebody, uh, if you are somebody or you know somebody that is experiencing these thoughts uh, and have reached out for help, please report uh, this information to or report that obviously help them get find the necessary resources but also don't just keep it uh, a secret you know uh, reach out on your own for help for you mm -hmm. um, if somebody were to come to me at, with this particular circumstance uh, reaching out for help on suicidal ideation I would not I mean I would help them obviously but I would not shoulder the load mm -hmm. um, and by that I mean don't keep it a secret from everybody and, and think you're going to be the only one that's going to get this guy through this um, because well there's a couple things that that's not something that should be handled by one person and one person only mm -hmm. you need to reach out to resources for, for help for this person um, they need psychiatric and psychological help therapy um 
intensive therapy sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's not something mm-hmm. I can provide myself, but I can get you in touch with folks. Um, and also think of it on the back end. If you um, don't succeed in helping this fella or, or lady, now what's that do to you? If you haven't reached out and got, you know, if you're trying to shoulder this on your own, yeah. now your mental health is in the trash because you think you just killed this guy or gal. Yeah, you didn't do what you you didn't do everything you could, and you're gonna now shoulder the blame, and that's not right either. No, and you can't be there for someone twenty four seven anyway, because you're just gonna burn yourself out completely. Absolutely. So another reason why you can't do it by yourself because you can't be there for them twenty four seven, and then when you start burning out and having to take time for yourself. But it does happen, and it and it's quite a natural feeling that you can you can navigate this by yourself but the fact of the matter is it's not a good idea for many different reasons and uh that was one one thing i wanted to kind of wrap things up with reach out for help jeeves good to see you um with that being said though we'll uh get into uh our our show wrap up let's Start looking at some community calendar. Um, <laughs> of course, as I said, if you um, need more help, we have the comprehensive list of helplines available for just that. Um, reach out, use the helplines, and um, let us know if you want us to add any as well. Like, uh, we might not have a certain number that you're in need of um Mm -hmm. i think Gemma knows more about that stuff than i do um but you can always reach out to us in the discord and what have you uh catalyst tonight uh our good buddy jim in chicagoland uh does his wednesday night broadcast that we promote here on the stream please join us at 10 p.m eastern 11 p.m eastern uh i was listening to ray uh plug it on his show last night and he's like i don't fucking know when he goes (laughs) i don't either anymore it's sometime in the 10 o'clock hour we go live or he goes live for catalyst and it's a good time speaking of ray there is his handle as well give him a follow he did his show last night it was awesome um great quotes at the end of the year or, or at the end of the broadcast um and good positive stories and good vibes all all around uh, Eric is in the chat as well. He's a former guest of the show. He streams every Monday night. Give him a watch and a follow, please. Um, and then Gemma, my co-host, uh, has her very own Twitch channel. She does do more than just the mental health hour. She does uh, some cooking, some baking. Um, and you have something actually you want to promote right now, don't you? Uh, yeah, well, I'm doing some cooking on Saturday, 7 o'clock UK. You've all altered your clock, so there's only four hours between us at the moment. So it'd be seven, three p.m. Eastern on Saturday. But yeah, me and Matt are doing a ab sale. I was meant to do it last year, but Thomas was taken to hospital the day before. So I'm down, uh, doing a free fall ab sale down something that is, I think it said 262 feet high. And I'm terrified of heights, so fun times. That's in May, 13th of May. Um, if you are able to sponsor us, uh, it was on the thing, but bio.link forward slash Thomas Fight Tall. It's all on there. And then there you go, Ella. And Pop- yes, for- Poppy? Penelope. What? I said Poppy. I don't know where that came from. Penelope's here. She wanted to come say hi. Um, but yes, for all things, uh, bunny, we got our good friend, Ella, the bunny mom. Um, I was just talking with her the other day and, uh, she's doing well. Um, shop's doing well. Everything's going well. So please keep showing her that love and support from us and, uh, send her, uh, a follow, a share and a like on all of her bunny saving, um, needs let's see here penelope she's getting yeah she is getting big she's getting big 
aren't you? They're talking about you. Rosy cheeks, bless her. <laughs> um, that is it for tonight. Live uh, Q&A. You keep forgetting to mention it. What? The live Q&A. Oh, thank you. Damn it. <laughs> there it is. We This will be coming out this week. Um, actually, probably right after the damn show. Uh, I'll put this out on the socials. We've got the Mental Health Hours Live Q&A 5, number 5. Uh, there's a QR code attached. You can scan. Send us in a um, a question. We'll answer it live. Please remember, as we have in the past, we've never really had an issue with this, but keep them clean, keep them mental health related, and not offensive. Um, There's a couple I've not been able to read out, but mostly they're fine. Yeah. So we're excited to bring this back. Uh, it's one of my favorite shows to do because you just get to go in so many different directions. Mm. So, uh, no, Penny's not talking yet. Um, she's she's dadaing and cooing and you know all that good stuff. She does say dada, but like she's not. That's when you want her to though, right? That's the only real word that you can make out in her repertoire right now. Did you teach her to swear? No, <laughs> no. All right, guys. With that being said, we're gonna get on out of here. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. see you guys back here next week. Keep your eyes on the socials for more information and please join the discord as always. Uh, it was good chatting with everybody tonight and we'll see you on the next broadcast. Mm -hmm. Bye for now. Bye.